Eleven o'clock. It's my best joke of the day. Popular song from the 1960s. Then they asked the more profound question of the day, does anybody really care? And perhaps the hippies of that day didn't care, or at least they didn't want to care, about the time or the times. But time and times have an inevitable way of changing, as Bob Dylan so profoundly stated as the We Could Care Less generation emerged in the 60s, the times they are a-changing. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what, Bob? They still are. Because that is what time does. The difference is at this point in time, it seems that people really do want to know what time it is. How often do you hear the battle cry from various groups who are pressing their own social agenda or personal cause on the public platform or political forum? They'll cry out, this is our time. This is our time. Every generation has their time lords, their Doctor Whos that appear on the scene as a voice speaking for or against whatever the flavor of the day may be. Young rebels who can topple thrones and break the shackles of tyranny because they're not afraid to raise their voice, spill their blood, or give their lives because it's their time. Yes, even Jesus burst on the scene to introduce and inaugurate the kingdom of God while at the same time destroying the kingdom of darkness in order to set us free. And when did that happen? When did he come? Galatians 4.3 says this, In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, no longer a slave to fear, because the fullness of time came. Time, the times, end times. I get no question more frequently. There is no topic more likely to draw quick attention and stir up questions and conversation than the times or end times. Especially with all that we are seeing in the news these days and how quickly the information comes to us. It is no longer what happened last week or even yesterday. We are now seeing what is happening now. Anyone with a cell phone can be a news broadcaster from anywhere in the world feeding us information in the present tense. And that in itself is an end time prophetic fulfillment as the angel of the Lord 
reveals the purposes of God for Israel through the course of history, concludes his dialogue in chapter 12 of the book of Daniel. He says this, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Our information age is nothing more than a fulfillment of God's prophetic word from 1,500 years ago. We all feel it, the sense of imminence, of something just about ready to happen. It is unfortunate that we have such a tendency to translate that discernment towards a negative end. Even the scientific community has done this by instituting and monitoring what they call the doomsday clock, trying to determine how close we really are to annihilating ourselves as a species. Here's their latest alert as of yesterday. I don't know if it's ticked since then. Timeline. It is three minutes to midnight. Now, I remember a day when it was 11 o'clock on the doomsday clock. Do you remember that? It's three minutes to midnight. 2015, unchecked climate change, global nuclear weapons modernizations, and outsized nuclear weapons arsenals pose extraordinary and undeniable threats to the continued existence of humanity. And the world leaders have failed to act with the speed or on the scale required to protect citizens from potential catastrophe. These failures of political leadership endanger every person on Earth. Despite some modestly positive developments in the climate change arena, current events, current efforts are entirely insufficient to prevent a catastrophic warming of Earth. Meanwhile, the United States and Russia have embarked on massive programs to modernize their nuclear triads, thereby undermining existing nuclear weapons treaties. The clock ticks now at just three minutes to midnight because international leaders are failing to perform their most important duty, ensuring and preserving the health and vitality of human civilization. Bill Strout the head of Vineyard USA, while reflecting on the cultural pressure he experienced as a young boy toward an us-and-them mindset, told of a drill that was practiced at his elementary school. He was eight years old at this time and remembers it because he pushed against it. Some of you may have experienced this also of being instructed to get under your desk and curl up to protect yourself from the atomic blast that might happen if Russia decides to start a nuclear war. I bet that would be real effective, right? Had the military only know all you need is an elementary school desk to stay safe from a nuclear attack. 
Listen, this is a serious business. I have friends who have built underground nuclear-proof shelters on their properties, stocked and ready for end-time survival mode. It's big business. But is it kingdom business? What does the scripture say? What is Jesus' take on it? I want to give you the clarifying statement on this issue from Jesus himself. In Acts 1, 7 and 8, Jesus is just about ready to ascend to his father, giving final instructions to his disciples. And they ask him the big question. What will be the sign of your return in the end of the age? This is his response. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I hear Jesus saying two things here. Number one, don't get hung up on end-time events because Dad, our Father, is in control. No matter how bad it looks, listen, he's fitted into his plan. He has a purpose behind it. Number two, these conditions are the greatest opportunities for the witness of the church in both the preaching of the good news of Jesus and the demonstration of the power of the age to come. From heaven's perspective, these are times of great harvest. Now, I understand that Jesus had no qualms about telling his disciples what the end times would look like when they asked him in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. And I suggest you read that chapter. But as you do, don't miss the statements of purpose interjected in amongst the descriptive statements of the events. Now, here are a few of them. Matthew 24, 8. Jesus says, all these are but the beginning of birth pains. Now, all you guys want to cringe, but you can't. Because you have no idea what birth pains feel like. You ladies can go, uh, if you want. But the issue isn't the pain of the birth pains. The issue is that birth pains produce birth. Birth produces new life. New life brings forth another generation that carries on the family heritage. Birth pains in and of themselves are not a bad thing. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then will the end come. The greatest opportunity for the fulfillment of the church's great commission is distinctly embedded in the end-time events. Matthew 24, 30. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, 
from one end of heaven to the other. Isn't this the very thing we're looking and longing for? The coming of the king and the church, the bride of Christ, being joined to him for all eternity? Should we fear this or long for it? Should we cower and hide from the very thing that calls us to action? Do we stay curled up under our school desk waiting for the Russian bombs or do we bombard the Russians with the gospel of peace? Does anybody know what time it is? The world says it's a time of destruction. The kingdom says it's the time for redemption. The world, through the news media, will fill you with fear. The kingdom of God inspires us with the opportunity for the greatest harvest of souls history has ever witnessed. The world preaches extinction and counts down towards the fear of annihilation. The kingdom promises an inbreaking of a new age, a kingdom to come where pain and sorrow flee away. The world sees no hope. The kingdom sees the purposes of God, and while the world says hide, the kingdom says go. So it becomes imperative for us as the church of Jesus Christ in our time to not only know the times we are living in, but also how it is we should act in those times. Paul encouraged the church in his day along these very lines in Colossians 4, 5. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. In other words, get out there and do the stuff. Making the best use of time. Yo, it's so awesome being here on Sunday morning. The worship sets are awesome. The preachers in the pulpit are usually pretty good. Yo, you get good words. The coffee's always good because I make it. And we have a good time, right? But is this the best use of our time? I don't think so. I think this is the place where we need to come to get energized, to get prepared, to get marching orders, and to make the best use of our time out there. There's a world trapped in darkness, longing to know the truth of Jesus Christ. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time. One of the areas of Bible reading that most people don't appreciate are the frequent lists that you find, such as long genealogies, you know, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so, and there are always names that you can't pronounce, so you make up things in your head. Pahonics. Pahonics. That's how you pronounce those names, or listings of tribes in their positions in battles, or the prophetic purposes within the framework of God's promises to his people. But what I found is that embedded in these listings are little nuggets of wisdom, little gems of instruction for the reader. One such listing is found in the 12th chapter of First Chronicles, as David is emerging as king over all of Israel. 
and the tribes of Israel come to give him their support, and they're listed one tribe after another. And as the tribe is mentioned, then there's a little byline attached to it, and it just goes on and on and on. And then you come to the tribe of Issachar. Of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. Notice that Issachar's understanding of the times was for the benefit of all of Israel, not just for their tribe. As we lay hold of the purposes of God within the framework of our own history and our place in it, and as we are faithful to do what the church is commissioned to do, as opposed to what fear would try to compel us to do, we will impact the larger body of Christ in profound and life-changing ways. Church, this could be our finest hour. As the Pentecostals love to say, an hour of power. Listen to this word of encouragement from the Apostle Peter. Then we'll pray and wait on the Holy Spirit to minister his grace. 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There are elements of our salvation that the church has not even experienced yet. There is still more in store for us, saints. God has not been drained of all his blessings. Brothers and sisters, this is not the time to crawl under our desks and wait for the destruction to overtake us or to try to hide from our real responsibility. No, on the contrary, it is our time. This is our time to let our light shine before men, as Paul the Apostle so succinctly said, working together with him, with the Father. We appeal to you, not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listen to you. God is listening. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. He's willing to extend his mighty right arm. Behold, now, today, is the favorable time. We must become a now people because he is the I am the present God. He's not the God of yesterday or the God of tomorrow. He is the God of the now. Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let's stand and pray together. Holy Spirit, We welcome you in this place. In this 
moment of time, in your time, invading our time, we say, come, Holy Spirit. Inbreak as the kingdom, as the power, as the glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, the world around us is a mess. All our foundations are being pulled out like rugs from beneath our feet. Our moral compass is spinning wildly as if caught in a magnetic whirlstorm, oh God. And yet, we can lift our eyes to heaven and be confident that you have a promise, an unfading promise stored in heaven for just this time. Lord, you admonish us by the prophet, let those who are holy be holy still. We want to be that people, O oh God, in this time, in this hour. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to enable us to go, to do, to be all that you have called the church to go, to do, and to become in the world around it. Let us be light. Let us be salt. Let us be an expression of the love of Jesus Christ. Let us be a manifestation of, of your kingdom age power, O oh God, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, O oh God, bringing peace to those who are in turmoil. Let us be nations changers, O oh God. Give us opportunities to speak with kings and presidents about the glory of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We ask you to open up doors that have never been opened for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, and if you call us, we will go. We'll not sit under the desk waiting for the bombs to fall, oh God. We will heed the call. We'll heed the call. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. And we're just going to wait for a moment, listen for the Spirit.